Wondery Plus subscribers can listen to Ion Travel with Peter Greenberg ad-free and right now. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Bite Clear Liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews. But now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. This is the Ion Travel Podcast with CBS News Travel Editor, Peter Greenberg. Hi there, everybody. Peter Greenberg here, and welcome to another edition of the Ion Travel Podcast. This week, from Beverly Hills, California. It's a new year, and will there be a new direction in travel? I sit down with John Gieselman, the president of Expedia Brands, to talk about changes in traveler behavior, and perhaps more importantly, traveler expectations. And how full will your planes be this year? Then, Matthew Upchurch, CEO of Virtuoso, on the changes he's seeing from off-season travel to the rapid use of AI when it comes to travel. And then, an old friend, legendary chef Wolfgang Puck. He stops by to talk about the changes in restaurants, food choices, and of course, the cost of going out. And first up, from Expedia, John Gieselman. <sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs. Now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. John, welcome back to the show. Peter, great to see you again. Thanks for having me. So here's the drill. Uh, I'm sure you'll agree with this. We never really saw what, what happened in 2022 and 2023 as big as it was going to be. Uh, and, you know, people can call it revenge travel. I don't call it revenge travel, by the way. I call it refocused demand uh, that was already there. Uh, 
but it was sustained. And here we are going into 2024. Uh, if you listen to the airlines, they'll tell you, we fully expect our planes to be full. Uh, the original data that we're looking at shows that airfares may go up uh, on international flights another 10%. But maybe some good news, airfares coming down a little bit on domestic flights. What does your data tell you? Yeah, I I think that's all uh, exactly right. I mean, you know, obviously COVID was incredibly disruptive to the to the whole industry. And, and what we're seeing is capacity and, uh, you know, on, on flights have pretty much normalized back to, to 19 levels. But, but as you said, it's a bit of a mixed bag between domestic and, and international uh, ticket prices, you know, domestically ticket prices are maybe down a tick from 2019. It depends upon where you're talking about and international, you know, we do expect to be up. And, you know, if you talk about the big popular destinations domestically, like New York and LA and Vegas, you know, they'll probably tend to be a little bit higher, but that's just because demand, uh, is higher. So, it, so in general, I would think about it, it's kind of reverted back to the norm, and then it depends upon where you're going, whether ticket prices will be up or down. You track this all the time in terms of of trends and and search. What are the hot destinations this year? Uh, have they differed at all from last year? Because if you take a look at some of the other destinations that are reporting back to us, you know you're seeing some of the usual suspects like Las Vegas and Cancun. But any new de- de- destinations popping up for you guys? Yeah, I mean, I think internationally, the the big destinations now are Cancun, Punta Cana, Mexico City. Those are really big. But from a macro standpoint, Asia has come back to life in in a big way. Um, some of the it is the largest amount of traffic now is between L.A. and Tokyo. Um, you know, that's up dramatically. And it's because, you know, those markets have opened up. Um, but, you know, another big corridor is Perth to Bali, Singapore to Jakarta. Uh, you want me to stop? No, keep going. Oh, sorry. Um, uh, you know, th- there, there's these these big corridors in Asia that, ha- that have opened up. Uh, flights to Beijing as well are, are up dramatically. Um, so, th- yeah, so that's what's trending now. Although, you know, you mentioned Asia, we haven't seen the Chinese come back yet. So when we, when we deal with all the numbers of how many people are traveling, that's not counting the Chinese. What's going to happen when they come back? Well, obviously, it's going to go up even more. Uh, you know, we, we, we tend to book more ch- tickets uh, out of China into international destinations than, than anybody else. So we are seeing it come back. But to your point, they're not back yet to 19 levels. Now, of course, we go back to the COVID days where everybody was going crazy trying to get refunds, trying to get their flights rebooked. What have you done within internally at, Ex- at Expedia with all your brands to figure out how to anticipate any problems with any kind of meltdowns? Yeah, well, the good news for travelers is uh, even even in 22, 4% of flights got canceled uh, that's now down across the industry to less than two percent. It's coming in, you know, around one point seven. So that's that's great news. Um, you know, for for what we've done for for travelers, um, probably the best thing to do is our is our flight tra- tracker product. Um, you know, you can look at a at a flight uh, and turn on flight tracker, and then that'll keep you updated throughout the week, two weeks, three weeks, however you choose to keep it on, and it'll keep you updated updated as to how uh you know the flights costs 
fluctuate. And then you can decide when the right time to book. And of course, you know, the big thing that most people don't understand with Expedia is you get your airline miles when you book through us, plus you get one key cash from us that you can use for another trip. So if you don't book your flights through us, you're literally throwing away money. You know, you can book direct and you can still get your airline miles, but why you wouldn't do that through us so that you can get airline miles plus one key cash that you can use for a future trip, it's kind of crazy. And, and you know, most people don't understand that. So it's an important fact to, to know. Well, you know, I'm one of the old school guys. I still use Orbitz all the time. And and uh, I get something called Orbucks. Now, I, didn't, I never knew what that meant until I went to book a hotel room and, and I got the room for free because I'd, I'd accumulated so much money I'd spent on airline tickets, I could apply that to the hotel fee. Yeah. I, you know, one key cash, I think, is the next evolution of that because, you know, you can take the, the one key cash that you earn from a flight that we're talking about right now, and then you can use it for a Verbo, you know, if you want. You can use it for a hotel on hotels. You can use it for a hotel on Expedia if you want. Think of it, it's just like a very flexible currency um, that, you know, we want people to use. So we're making it easy and you can decide how you want to use it. You can book a Verbo and you'll earn one key cash and you can use it for a flight on Expedia if you want to do that. It's it's all up to you. You know, that, that leads me to my next question about changes in, in purchasing patterns and what people are using to buy stuff with. Uh, we're seeing more and more people cutting their uh, mileage, airline mileage affinity cards in half and going for cash back cards. Uh, you know the the chase the one the capital ones uh, where you're getting uh, cash back or options as opposed to accruing miles you can't redeem. Yeah, well, I mean, cash is always king. Uh, you know, I mean, I myself I use a cash back card, and then you know, of course, I book through our own businesses, and then I get one key cash on top of that that I can. I'm use. shocked. I'm shocked to hear that you're booking through your own system. <laughs> shocked. Yes, you know, you can you can double dip that way. Actually, that's like a triple dip. You get cash back on your credit card. You get your miles, plus you get one key cash from us. So, you know, that's a that's a smart way to go. But in terms of, you know, interesting trends that, you know, your listeners might uh, find interesting. You know, what we're seeing a lot is um, a trend we call tour tourism, which is which is people traveling for international concerts. So people following Coldplay or Taylor Swift or Madonna, Metallica, who you know, Foo Fighters, whoever it is. And maybe not following them around the globe as they tour, but traveling, you know, for those concerts. That's a that's a big trend. And then another interesting trend is um, uh, what we call sort of duping. You know, that that is um, rather than going to you know one particular destination, um, you know, like Seoul is super expensive, but you can go to Taipei, and it's very similar, and it's sort of the dupe for Seoul. Um, or you can go to Perth instead of Sydney. You know, that's another big another big trend that's happening. You're right. And in fact, we're seeing that happening all over the place, uh, even in the United States, you know, and even choices of airports, you know, Providence, Rhode Island instead of Boston, uh, Oakland instead of San Francisco, uh, you know, to a certain extent, Midway instead of Chicago. But the secret airport, of course, Chicago is Milwaukee. I mean, people figuring out a, a better way to go. Exactly. You know, yeah, we call that trend destination dupes. It's it, it's kind of happening all over. It's super interesting. You know, it's just travelers getting smarter and and more availability with all the capacity coming back in air. It sort of enables that. You know, John, you mentioned we're talking to John Gieselman, the president of Expedia Brands. You mentioned, you know, following the rock stars. Well, there's also something it's the Game of Thrones impact, you know, where or, or, or a White Lotus where people aren't jet setting, they're set jetting. 
they they, they want to go to those locations now. That's yeah, that's what we've called it, set jetting. I mean, it's another big trend. It's like you know, you see these popular shows on on HBO or pick your streaming service, and people want to go there. Um, and uh, that is another big trend. Now, of course, if you can combine that with a Taylor Swift concert, then then you're then you're triple dipping. If if you can afford if you can afford the tickets if you can if you can but you know like I said turn on our flight tracker and you know we'll help you find uh, the best price it's there's there's no cost you just you just put in whatever search you're thinking about whether you're going you know pick L A to Tokyo it's super popular corridor right now just put in search turn on flight tracker and we'll keep you updated you know as long as you have it on as the the price fluctuates it's super helpful because you know the ticket prices do change you know throughout the the course of time of course the one thing you're missing john i'm sorry you don't have the taylor swift tracker no we don't have that we do not have that but i i love that that's a new feature idea we'll go work on that well, listen, if you take a look at her impact on GDP and how she actually moves the needle on local economies, I mean, there's something to be said for that. It's pretty amazing. It is, it is amazing. My thanks to John. Anytime I need to get a feel for the pulse of travel, as well as the emotional component of it, I turn to Matthew Upchurch, CEO of Virtuoso. So is travel a need? Is it a want? Or just a coping mechanism? Or all three? Matthew has a few thoughts. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Matthew Upchurch, welcome. Hey, Peter. Good to see you again, as always. And I can still say Happy New Year because it's still January. Yeah, it's early. So it's crystal ball time. We just saw a, a record year in terms of demand, revenue, occupancy, load factor, anywhere you look at it. And I don't know about you, but I was surprised that it could sustain the entire 12 months. We're now starting a new year. What are you seeing? Yeah, so far, I mean, our sales, advanced sales coming into 24, were still 20 some odd percent higher than 23. So that was amazing coming in. We saw a little bit of softness in November, early December, a little bit of the first month. But right now, um, there's certain pockets out there that, that are having a little bit of softness. But overall, it's still looking very strong. Of course, you know, the num- if you look at it, the number one corollary to certainly in the luxury sector has been the stock market. Um, and the stock market is all-time highs, right? Now we had a little bit of a bumpy start at the beginning of the year. But still, if you look at it within... The perspective of the last couple of years, it's 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 way up there, but again, you come back to the fact that the fundamentals of why travel was hit its peak in 2019 are still there. Five generations of people, all traveling at the same time in numbers we've never seen before because of the longevity revolution and because of the prioritization of experiences for younger people, um, and then the rise of the rest of the world. Um, and by the way, 
That record in 23, we have we have an office in Shanghai. That's with very few Chinese traveling. So remember, in 2019... And there's still very few. Right. But remember, in 2019, there were 100 million Chinese traveling around the world. So when those numbers come back, um, you know, it's going to be interesting how we do it. I think there'll be a leveling off uh, to some degree, but I remember thinking about this, that this kind of pent-up demand, revenge travel, whatever you want to call it, you know, nothing changes human behavior like having something taken away from you that you took for granted. Um, so I still think that overall... Um, we'll see pockets, uh, whether it's geopolitical, whether it's um, the economy. Um, but I think that every major disruption in the nearly 40 years that I've been doing this has actually made travel more valuable in people's lives. Um, and it, it, it's just been amazing to see that. And, of course, the greatest disruption of all time, COVID. But travel becomes a safety valve. Yeah, and it's a, it's a safety valve. It's a connection point. I mean... Look, the only reason humans survived as a species is because we're social animals, right? So, you know, it it makes sense to me why restaurants and, you know, live shows and travel and all this is doing so much because it's like, it's our way of coping, you know? And then when you, when you look at the fact that, you know, algorithms, um, I heard Tristan Harris, the co-founder of the Center for Humane Technology, he had a great podcast talking about the fact that, you know, the mono- he used the term the monopolization of human attention. Basically, the big tech companies, right, teaching algorithms how to get your attention because every nanosecond is worth billions of dollars. And unfortunately, algorithms are ruthless animals or ruthless uh, algorithms. Um, and they have found out that it attacks the amygdala, the human part of the brain, the fear part of the brain. And algorithms have actually learned that division and fear capture more attention. So the reality is the world looks, you know, when you consume a lot of this. That is not a healthy point. It's not a healthy point. So having grown up in the travel industry and believing in the great parts of the industry about human connection and understanding and cultural exchange and all that, I've now added this as another layer of why this industry is so important. Because, you know, it's like it's it's a lot harder to hate somebody when you actually see them face to face. But then again, you just threw the algorithm wrench into the machinery, and that is if we begin to depend on the algorithm, we lose that ability. Well, you know, it's interesting. People have asked me, every time there's an, you know, we're only about a year to the, you know, to the outcome of ChatGPT. Um, of course, AI is on everybody's tongue. What's interesting is AI is not new. The social media platforms and, all, and search stuff has all been on, running on AI algorithm, I mean, artificial intelligence algorithms. What changed with ChatGPT is natural language interfaces meaning it felt and looked and sounded like real people, right? Um, but what's interesting is one of the people that I follow on AI says that this is actually ushering in the age of distrust. Now, you would think, well, based on everything. I have a news bulletin for you. Right? That age is here. Well, and what's interesting is I actually think it's going to have an interesting boomerang effect, which is relationships of trust and knowing people and having real relationships it's going to become even more essential. So let's go back to that idea. You know, if you have such control over your content that you can invent stuff that doesn't exist or manipulate stuff that people don't trust, where's the outcome? Well, that's, you know, I literally wanted to send an email to Google uh, when those, those Pixel phone ads because we always know we could Photoshop something, right? But 99% of the population doesn't know Photoshop well enough to do that. Now, at the touch of a button instantly, I could literally change an entire photograph I just took on my, on my, on my smartphone. 
So you, I, you realize that creates a whole new opportunity for people to have an alibi. Well, and now you have, I mean, music and I mean, everything is there. But again, I think, you know, travel has always been about connecting with people, understanding things and whatever. So I do think that this whole idea about relationships of trust are going to be even more important um, is, is a reality. And I hope, you know, and I, I am happy that travel has become, you know, no longer a luxury, but really a, a, a core part of humanity's um, reason for living. Well, I've already said people don't want to travel. They need to travel. And we've, we've crossed that threshold, if you will. That was, a, I think, accelerated by COVID when people made very smart decisions or maybe not so smart decisions, but decisions nonetheless to change their purchasing patterns, to change their behavior and say, you know what? I'm not going to buy a new car. I'm not going to buy new clothes, but I have to buy experiences. Well, because, you know, whether you want to take it to one extreme and call it mental health or the other is just, you know, meaningfulness, right? Um, that, that, that entire range is a real thing. Um, you know, I remember being interviewed years ago for a Thanksgiving article that was done on travel industry executives and says, you know, what, what do you remember from the holidays? Like, right. And it was never every now and then I could remember, you know, some gift that I, but, but what I do remember are all the experiences I had with my, with, with my, my parents, my, my siblings, my, now my kids. Um, those are the things we talk around the table about. So, um, and I do think that, you know, being able to understand other cultures and do all that kind of stuff is is a very important part of being a competitive global citizen. So as you analyze your numbers, which you say are up like twenty four percent over already a record. Already, uh, let's go dig deeper into those numbers. Are there asking? Are your clients asking for different destinations or a different way to do those destinations? Well, I would say that the you know it's interesting for a lot of our travelers that that. Have, are very avid travelers, very sophisticated travelers. Even before COVID, um, they were already starting to migrate to quote unquote off season, right? So instead of going to Europe in August and July and June, they were already they were already ahead of the curve going in September, October, November. Um, so you're seeing so we actually just did a survey on the effects of climate change on travel, and there actually is this kind of idea of like trying to find the places that are that are they're cooler that are not not as affected whether it's seasonality or different places um but i do think look we've always had this thing we call creative tension with our customers the desire to go back to familiar places that they love to see what's new what's different can i see it in a different way etc and the desire to go explore something completely new so that you know that creative tension is always there one of the things that really good advisors and people in the virtual social network have, have done is they've done a lot of good pairings. So, for example, if you're a lover of Venice, you know that it's only a two-and-a-half-hour you know, high-speed train ride to go to Slovenia, which is a fabulous you know, up-and-coming destination. So the idea of pairing new and old combinations and things like that is really uh, a, a, a very hot topic in our network. Do you feel a ticking clock? Do you feel people figure that they're really under a ticking clock to get it done now because they may not be there tomorrow? There's no question in my mind there's an element of that. There, there definitely is an element of that. The question is, is that, is that a bubble or not, right? Or is that just this change of psychology? The other thing that we have to really give credit to, though, is the what, what I call the just the overall um, 
increase in quality of everything. You know, you used to buy a Hyundai 20 years ago, and you were lucky if it lasted five years. Today, Five today, months. Today, a Hyundai has the features and the reliability of what we used to think a Lincoln or a Cadillac or something like that is. So if you look at the overall reliability and quality of some the, the good side of the of you know of the of the economy has increased you know the the longevity of things and whatever that does allow for the expenditure on things like experiences you know that you're not having to get rid of your car every five years so now you have this sort of double-edged sword between a sense of sentimentality and history and a sense of adventure with a ticking clock exactly and exactly and you know and you have that normal desire i mean for me, for example, I love going back to places I've been to a lot of times with new people, with my kids, with friends, with so because every single time you, you go, you see it through different eyes. Um, we just spent New Year's Eve in San Miguel Allende in, in Mexico. That's old school for you. It's old school because I grew up in Mexico, you know, and all that. But my brother's there, and it's in, and it, but experiencing it with, with our daughter and our two sons was was so so much fun. My thanks to Matthew. I've known Wolfgang Puck for more than 40 years, ever since he opened his very first restaurant above the Sunset Strip in Los Angeles. When it comes to our dining and food choices, a lot has changed since then. And then, as Wolfgang knows, a lot hasn't. Wolfgang Puck, thanks for joining us. Thank you. It's a pleasure to talk to you again, since I don't see you that often. But well, we, well, we see each. I'll tell you where we see each other. We see each other in Hong Kong when the Chinese are taking over. All right. Yeah, in '97. So okay, I was just out of uh, high school then. Okay, yeah, speak for yourself, right? And and then I bump into you in New York. And, and but if we're in Beverly Hills, I got to talk to you because I mean I remember uh, I came out here in 1971 for Newsweek, and of course, next thing I know, there is your restaurant up on Sunset. But 1982. 1982, Spago. And before that, of course, Ma Maison. Maison, yeah. Well, you're going back in the history. So uh, when I started at Ma Maison, it was like in 1975. And then in 82, I opened Spago up on Sunset. And the rest is history. And, you know, if you remember that restaurant, I know you do, but if you remember that restaurant, it was up on a hill, and the parking was treacherous. You had to go up that steep hill to get in there. But you know what? People would kill for the pizza. Yeah, well, not only the pizza. We had a lot of other things, but I think the duck sausage pizza, our smoked salmon pizza, and our Santa Barbara shrimp pizza became famous. And then I remember I went to a pizza convention once to see what they have. And then I told them we sell about 100 pizzas a night. And we do six million in uh, in uh, revenue, and they looked at me. How do you do that? I said, Well, we sell the smoked salmon pizza. It's not a ten dollar pizza. It's a thirty five dollar pizza at the old time. And today? And today it's like seventy. Oh my God! <laughs> you know what? Everything got more expensive. I remember I bought a car at that time for under ten thousand dollars. You know, these days if you get something for under thirty thousand, you're lucky. You're right. How has the business changed? Because when people come to Beverly Hills, it's more expensive. Uh, they're expecting that. But all the raw ingredients have changed in terms of the, the cost yeah. and the supply chain. Yep. All the raw ingredients, everything has gone up. Transportation, truck drivers, everybody needs more money. And rightfully so, because in a city like Los Angeles, where it's very expensive to live, and the minimum wage is 16 or $17, nobody can live on that. 
So I really believe that we should have a fair minimum wage and so that everybody can make a living. And I think at the end of the day, you cannot live two hours away from your job. Then you spend four hours a day driving and that's expensive too. So being able to live close where you work is an important part. But you know, we, if people charge us more money, we have to charge more money. I know hotel rooms have gotten through the roof. I just came back from Maui. You know, we have a Spago at the Four Seasons there, and a room there is $3,000 a night now. And it doesn't include the pizza. It doesn't include the pizza, no. We rent the restaurant, so they doubled the price over the last few years for the room. We added... And and they're getting it, and they're getting it. Yeah, the the hotel was 70% occupied at that room rate, so they are actually making more money with 70% occupancy than before with 98% occupancy because it's twice as expensive and they have less employees working. If we could do that in our restaurants, it would make it easy because if I double the price in the restaurant, I think we will drop not 20%, but we'll drop 60% probably of our guests won't be happy. So. I think life has gotten more expensive now, and I think we really have to rethink how we're going to adjust to inflation, how we're going to adjust to minimum wage so that people make a fair living too. But of course, in terms of your menu, certain things have never gone off that menu. You know, a lot of the prices are still reasonable. We have to engineer the menu to put maybe a few more pasta dishes on or risotto dishes or make maybe the prime ingredients, if it's veal, lamb, or things like that, a little smaller, or buy parts which are not as expensive and cook them really well. Like a lamb shank is not that expensive, so if you serve it with a good risotto, it's an amazing dish, especially in the wintertime. And in Canada, it would be perfect. But we're not in Canada. We are not in Canada, yeah. We're in Beverly Hill. Yeah. And we're speaking to Wolfgang Puck, the legendary restaurateur and chef and everything else. Uh, you and I also go back to the days when we were both on Good Morning America, yeah. having a lot of fun together on ABC. Are you still doing TV? I'm, I'm actually going tomorrow to uh, New York. I'm going to do the Today Show on Friday morning. And then in the afternoon, I'm going to do a thing with Bobby Flay, who is an old friend. He always said, if you come to New York, you have to come on my show too. So... I'm going to do something with Bobby Plate, not to beat him, because that would be too easy, but to be a judge on the show. But what's changed at your restaurant in Beverly Hills other than the cost of raw ingredients? What do you still keep on the menu that are the classics? Well, we have actually, we are working on a menu now where we're going to have innovation and tradition. So one part of the menu going to be all our traditional dishes, like the tuna cones, like the smoked... By the way, the tuna cones, I, if, if they ever invite me to the emergency room, it'll be because I overdosed on the tuna cones. They're unbelievable. And that was yours from day one. Yeah, so from day one here on uh, Cannon Drive at Spago. So I think there are dishes like that, the agnolotti, the Hong Kong-style fish, the Wiener schnitzel, the Kaiserschmarrn. So these are all tradition. And what is really tradition too, they became classics. And classics are always good. You know, if something is a classic, like an old car, you know, a Ferrari from the 60s is a classic. Uh, it's way more expensive than a new one. Maybe I should say think about that too. And then on the other side of the menu, we're going to have innovation. 
because we have to move forward too. So we have to have a good mixture of innovation and classics. So we're going to have a tasting menu maybe of seven or eight courses, always of new things. So that way I can challenge the chefs, I can challenge the waiters, and they have something new, exciting to tell. And for me, that's really important. Even now, last fall, we spent two and a half million dollars to remodel Spago the inside, to freshen it up, build a new roof, build new fireplaces, a new floor, and so forth. So I think I want people, when they come to Spago, to get a great experience. Now you mentioned, uh, well, you mentioned some of the signature dishes, but you're from Austria, so you better have the Wiener Schnitzel the right way. Yeah, absolutely. I actually had last night, an Austrian family was, and I saw her eating the Wiener Schnitzel. I come back five minutes later, the plate was clean. And I said, you know what? You come from Vienna. Why you come here to eat the Wiener Schnitzel? You have enough restaurants over there. She said, you know, I wanted to try it. And she told me, you know, this is better than anything I had in Vienna. So I was very happy because they look like they travel a lot. And I think to say, you know, normally they are so proud of their places in Vienna. And I know a lot of good restaurants. And I actually had a food critic once come too from Vienna and he had the Wiener Schnitzel. And I went out. I didn't know he was a critic at that time. I said, you're from Austria, you're going to eat Wiener Schnitzel here? He said, yeah, yeah, I have to try it, I have to try it. So he tried it and went back to Vienna, told my friend in Vienna who owns the most famous restaurant called Steirach, and says, you know, Heinz, you have the second best Wiener Schnitzel. And Heinz said, what the, what the heck? And uh, he said, so who has the best one? He said, the best one, Wolfgang in Los Angeles at Spago. How do you do it differently? You know what? It's the quality of the ingredients which is the most important thing. You know, in Austria, they don't use the Villoin what we use. So this is more tender. You have to get the right thickness so it stays juicy. And I think it's simple, but sometimes the simplest things are the hardest ones to do them right. Because if you overcook them a little bit too much, if you do not the right breading, if you're busy, you bread the Wiener Schnitzel in advance too much, it soaks up the moisture and then you don't get a good Wiener Schnitzel. So it has to be done to order the right way. So many chefs, and this is not a new thing, but so many chefs think that the key to a successful dish is to overload it, to put so many things in there and then tell you the story about five different sauces, you sort of lose it, don't you? Absolutely. I think for me, simplicity is much more difficult. Now, we enhance dishes or ingredients. If you buy the best fish, you don't have to add 10 different sauces to it or what people do now, they pile up salad and vegetables, everything on top of each other. You don't actually see the the meat or the fish anymore. I remember I was not too long ago in Santa Barbara and I ordered a steak, I said, uh, which is rare. And when the plate comes I told the waiter, I didn't order vegetables, I ordered a steak. He said, yeah, the steak is there. Look for it. <laughs> so I had to find it. So it's, it's about keeping it simple. Yeah, it's about keeping it simple. Like we're actually opening a new restaurant in uh, Las Vegas at the Mandalay Bay called Karama, Dear Mom. It's called Karama. Why? Because my mother really started me into cooking and now I'm getting back. So I said, you know, the newest restaurant is that. And Italian food too is simple. If it's done right, you know, you don't have to add a lot of things. You just buy the best ingredients and try not to mess them up. We're here in Beverly Hills. What's special to you about Beverly Hills? I think Beverly Hills is one of the great cities because you have really a great lifestyle. It's a small city. I think I live very close to work and I think you have everything somebody will ever need here right in a square mile. So to me, it has the best restaurants, the best hotels. I mean, great shops, great food. What more you need? And some chef from Austria. And some chef from Austria who got lost here. Yeah. <laughs> 
but not a bad clientele. I think the clientele here, obviously, Los Angeles is the movie capital. Most of the movie people, if it's directors, producers, uh, studio heads, they live in that neighborhood. They live in Beverly Hills or surrounding Beverly Hills, Holmby Hills, Bel Air. So to me, it's really a special place. That's why when people come here, they always say, where are the movie stars? Where are the movie stars? And you know where they are? They're eating with Wolfgang at Spago. Yeah, I actually had a great time two nights ago, Sunday night, uh, you know, I had everybody in the kitchen. I'm very good friends with Lenny Kravitz, you know, because I am old and I love rock and roll. And then the next thing is Kevin Costner came and Billie, Billie Eilish came and uh, Coleman Domingo came. So, and uh, Judy Dench came with Taylor Hackford. So we had them all in the kitchen. We were eating, having the wine on the kitchen counter and the waiters barely could get through. And everybody emailed me after and said, Wolfgang, this was the most fun I ever had at the party. My thanks to Wolfgang, to John Gieselman, and to Matthew Upchurch. And my thanks to you for listening to this Ion Travel podcast. For more conversations with the world's leaders in travel, as well as answers to your travel questions, be sure to rate and review this podcast wherever you happen to listen to podcasts. And for all the breaking travel news, and we know there's a lot of it, just log on to petergreenberg.com. The Ion Travel Podcast is produced by Amanda Morris and Anthony Protis Chung. For more content from Peter Greenberg and the Ion Travel team, visit petergreenberg.com. Ion Travel is a production of CBS News Radio. If you like Ion Travel with Peter Greenberg, you can listen early and ad free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at wondery.com survey. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hi, this is Jill Schlesinger, CBS News business analyst, certified financial planner, and host of the Money Watch podcast. This is the show where your money is not scary and it's not boring. It is a show that's all about you. It's your questions that make it possible for me to provide unconventional and entertaining insights on your money and maybe more importantly, on your life. I'm going to be your financial coach, someone who brings common sense and an insider's perspective on how to manage your money and your emotions. And I promise we are going to have a little bit of fun along the way. Have a question from retirement to career changes to college funding? Just send us an email at askjill at jillonmoney.com. Follow Money Watch wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen ad-free on the Amazon Music or Wondery app.